Hello and welcome to Coffee with Conservationists, a podcast where I sit down with conservationists, ecologists, wildlife filmmakers, or really anyone who dedicates their lives to helping nature. I talk to them about their work in wildlife conservation, human and wildlife coexistence, community projects, and worldwide environmental issues. You can find out all about the reasoning behind the Coffee Connection and plenty of other interesting content on my Instagram at Coffee with Conservationists. Today, I'm featuring coffee from Olfactory Coffee. This is a brilliant coffee company that's actually based right around the corner from where I'm currently living in Cornwall. As ever, I'll be talking more about them at the end of the episode. In this episode, which is the penultimate episode of season two, I'll be talking to Inda Sartika Sari, a conservationist, scientist, project leader, and current postgrad student at the University of Exeter. Due to the fact that we share a campus, I was actually able to record this episode in person, socially distanced and in line with the current COVID-19 restrictions, of course. Because of the location being a bit busy, there is quite a bit of background noise, but I really hope you all enjoy this episode nonetheless. We talked about Inda's work with Sumatran rhinos, the importance of data collection surveys, how vital community engagement is to conservation efforts, and breaking down the barriers to women becoming scientists. Hi, Inda. Welcome to the welcome back to the podcast. Thank Hello. you for doing this again. Um, it's, I mean, it's refreshing to actually be here in person and socially distanced outside yes. in the walled garden on campus, which is such a nice place. Yes. Um, I agree. And obviously, I'm, I'm sure you might remember some of the questions from last time, but mm-hmm. we'll start it off as ever by getting to know you. Could you tell us a bit about you and where your interest in nature first started? Okay, cool. Well, thank you for having me back, firstly. Uh, I'm Inda. I'm from Indonesia. And I would say I'm the cons- uh, a conservationist. And I'm interested in wildlife conservations and uh, community development uh conservation so working closely with the community in order to save the wildlife and the area so you're currently working on a few projects but one there's looking at the sumatran rhinoceros yes is that right could you it's one of the most critically endangered animals Mm -hmm. in the world could you tell us a bit about the animal itself what it's like and, and kind of what your project hopes to accomplish yeah, so uh, in Indonesia, we have two rhinos, Javan rhino and Sumatran rhino. And me and my team are focu- focusing on the Sumatran rhino itself that could be found in, in, in uh, Kalimantan Island and Sumatra Island. This type of rhino is uh, different with other type of rhino all around the world. There are five species of rhinos. And this rhino is the smallest rhino in the world and also it has hair it's hairy on 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 their and on their body and uh now the status like you said is critically endangered less than 80 individuals now live in the wild in in sumatra that's that's uh why uh we are trying to help to protect this rhino working together with the stakeholder and also the uh, NGOs in that area to um, gain like raise awareness to the people. Yeah. Yeah, um, it sounds like an amazing project because it's, as you said, really important. Only 80 individuals left yep. alive. And I think rhinos are such a, a charismatic and amazing species, mm-hmm. but not many people really 
know about some of the subspecies. Um, yeah. The ones that get the most attention, I think, from my experience, is the um, the subspecies in Africa. Mm-hmm. And so Asian rhinos don't really get that much yeah. global attention. So yeah. projects like this obviously really important. And one thing you've spoken about and done a lot of work in is community empowerment and conservation. Mm-hmm. This is something that I've had people on the podcast talk about before, actually talking about rhinos, funny enough, and and human-wildlife conflict. Uh, Really connecting people with the land, the ocean, and engaging them in protecting and conserving our ecosystems. Mm -hmm. Um, How important would you say community engagement work is to global wildlife conservation? Community is the front line of the conservation uh, program and effort without the community involvement i think the no matter like how big is research how big is the grant or the fund is not going to be work without the involvement of the community so it's very crucial to involve the community in this uh kind of setup uh conservations because they are they they are the one who like in the front line who protect if not there who aware and protect their forest it's not going to be anyone like it's not just like random people came out from different places and just come visit that area and then trying to protect it's, it's not going to be work without the the community involvement so yeah that's why the community is very crucial Yeah, definitely. And I think we've seen, especially with the um, massive global travel restrictions because of the pandemic, we've seen a lot of uh, both scientists and documentary filmmakers Mm -hmm. and photographers actually um, sending out kind of hiring local teams, which I think um, probably should have been happening a long time ago, um, but wasn't. They, especially in... The industry that I'm looking to go into, um, wildlife filmmaking is centred all around Bristol in the mm. UK, and that's kind of like a hub. And they always send, you know, you have to live in Bristol. You have to kind of that's the idea is you have to be there yeah. to get the opportunities and yeah. to be sent around the world. But instead of that happening, there's more and more people who are hiring local teams, which really should have, as I said, been happening a long time ago. Yeah, um, because they just know there's nobody who will know their area as well as they do exactly um, exactly and there's nobody who will yeah be be a kind of expert if especially if you're a scientist mm-hmm. you most likely um i forgive me if i'm wrong but my kind of assumption is that studying science in area of uh, environmental science or eco- ecology in an area of uh, outstanding natural beauty and biodiversity richness you will probably study something in your local area yeah and then you'll just become an expert in it yeah and so yeah you're the most qualified scientifically to to teach about it and to to work with it yeah true you are you start from your local area you because the local knows like you said the local know what's happening there like what's live in there and then they recognize this since they're like born and since their ancestors so yeah it is important and also true that the expert came the area where they just like uh used to so so yeah yeah so you obviously work on quite a few projects and you've done a lot Mm -hmm. of work uh, a lot of field work you're currently working um 
or you've previously done a lot of work as a project manager and survey leader, um, things like bird surveying are incredibly important and something that I think a lot of people, I don't know, they have a, maybe a, uh, they think it's a bit boring just standing in a forest and watching birds all day. Um, <laughs> I think that's the complete opposite of boring. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people will look at sort of science and they go, you know, all the all the surveys, all the data sheets, all the things that happen after mm-hmm. the physical surveys are kind of the boring parts of science. Um, but obviously they are incredibly important. Yep. Um, could you kind of touch on your work in surveying Indonesian birds and, and why this work is so important? Yeah, well... Uh, since as I start in 2016, as well be- before doing uh, co- be coordinator of the biodiversity, I do the community first, and I like it. But like then I I switch to be- become more research based because like I feel I want to get in touch with like not not touch like interact with with this uh, wildlife animals and that's how I become the, the the community no sorry the biodiversity survey and then and then uh, during that time I found it it's not boring at all even though just like silently 10 minutes uh, quiet listening to the song of the bird and see what's what's the movement and then in those 10 minutes you're not moving at all you you can't and then like it's just it's just an amazing experience like even though there's like leeches on your feet even though like mosquitoes everywhere you have to be like settle and it helps me learn a lot from the nature learn, learn how to be patient learn learn how to be uh, appreciate the nature more it's like it's n- a lot of like aspect that is not just experience but part of the learning from from me and my team and uh this survey it's it's very very important because like in borneo itself like the data is very lack lack of data especially from like uh local researchers and and scientists so we need to we need this data to enrich our informations and knowledge in order to uh, help the governments make decisions so all of this uh, research is related like what's the government's uh, next step or like to do to to conserve that area to help the community if there's like a lot of species there like all 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 aspects is related to each other yeah yeah definitely i think it's it is just important um i i'm not a scientist myself i'm not scientifically minded um but i've always seen that importance of connecting with Mm -hmm. nature to learn about it and to protect it yeah um and definitely there's one of the thinking back to kind of i can't remember when it was 2000 12 maybe mm-hmm. there was a show on BBC about uh, Burma or Myanmar had just um, it was called Wild Burma at that point the mm-hmm. show um, and it, it just opened up from being quite a closed off dictatorship uh, mm-hmm. and become like a, a new democracy almost yeah um, and the the show kind of covered a lot of people um, they they sent in teams of filmmakers and scientists to do this kind of work on the ground and to 
document the fact that there were endangered species mm -hmm. there and that they needed protecting yeah. uh, from poachers who could potentially come in from other countries surrounding the border. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was probably the first time I kind of thought about it properly and, and saw um, the actual behind the scenes yeah. of actual wildlife science work. And when and I remember turning around to my, my nana at the time, mm -hmm. my grandmother, and uh, pointing to a man called Gordon Buchanan on the screen, who's a wildlife filmmaker, and just going, I want to do that when I grow older. Wow, um, yeah. And I think that was probably the, the thing that probably led me eventually down a very kind of up and down path to Falmouth and to this interview. So it's uh, definitely a very pivotal part yeah. of, of uh, science and field work and that's why I'm very grateful for the opportunity to talk to you outside as well yeah, because yeah. this interview will have background chatter in it there'll be people muttering there'll be um, birds. birds I think just about three minutes ago you picked up a little fly going past the microphone I heard that in there like oh. a little buzz so um, it's definitely important to connect with nature in this exactly, way exactly we um, need nature yeah yeah we need nature I think nature sometimes needs us yeah um i was gonna say yesterday but it's it's not yesterday because we're redoing this podcast it's it's a few weeks ago okay was the international day of women and girls in science uh -huh. and it is quite a, a depressingly stark fact that there are still so many barriers to women mm. becoming scientists exactly um could you talk about maybe the challenges that the women face when working or trying to get into the scientific fields um, yeah. maybe if you feel comfortable could you touch on s perhaps some of the challenges you may have faced in the mm -hmm. field yeah this is very uh, good topic and quite heavy I think but I will talk best on my experience like when I work in the field of conservations I found it it's a little bit tough it's tough for for women to to work in that side and it's it came from uh internal factors and also external like uh in 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 my area people still like not encourage women to work in the field like outside or like be like uh out from the house they they don't see women could do that and uh well because they think like ah oh, women women why why you work in the, in the field of conservation it's just like a tough work it's you will kind of carry heavy bag and then uh, can you do that can you do that like like a lot of asking and questioning and uh i experienced it myself and also i found a lot of like sexist men in 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 my uh, uh area before in my environment because like I think it's it's everywhere but like part of the culture and patriarchy and still very strong like women shouldn't be at the front women shouldn't lead women shouldn't etc etc and like okay this is like woman's job to cook for the for the staff and everything but um, during that times I uh, me and my team also try to make them understand oh like we are equal 
woman can do any everything and then i can carry my own bag i can i can walk without you guiding i can i can be in the front i don't need you to guide me the path i can find my my way my own It's like and then yeah and then they see that like based on like the act what i'm doing and they just like believe but that's just like in my area still a lot of cases when um the woman uh they don't see women could do that yeah. especially in in like the field of conservation where they said it's belong to like men's job like it's men's area yeah it's so, yeah. it's so i think it's it's so strange to me to because i just obviously never experienced this because i'm a i'm a man mm. um but it's it seems so strange to me um that you know protecting nature and well the the it seems strange that sexism exists to me but obviously it it, it does sadly. In, in sadly in every aspect of society but especially in conservation and environmental science you know it's a human right to access nature yeah it's a human right to protect and to love nature mm -hmm. and there definitely should never be any discrimination gender and gender this, so yeah. equality in that field especially because it's just yeah it's ridiculous yeah um and i think there's luckily a lot of people um working to fight that mm -hmm. um and there's i've had a lot of people who Uh, have talked on the podcast who have been some of my biggest uh, role models and kind of inspirations to me uh, as women scientists mm -hmm. and women conservationists and activists and people who I really hope that my I have four little sisters and hoping that if they ever want to go into a scientific field they yeah. will listen to these episodes and, and follow the work of the same woman that I do and um, yeah learn that it's you know none of these things that some people believe are true mm -hmm. um and yeah. it's really important um issues to to tackle I yeah think, and to talk about yeah that's that that's true and and it's good good luck for your uh your sorry your sister your Yeah. yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping they'll go into science, but I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can do we're whatever a, they want. Yeah, we're, yeah. A, we're a more, more just we directed, <laughs> just um, give like a point of view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely more of a creative family than a scientific family. Ah, um, okay. So we'll see what they do, but whatever they do, um, I'm sure they will learn the lessons that yeah that people have been spreading. Um, in recent years and, and the amazing work that the women in science do yeah it is yeah it's just a but it is still sadly depressing fact I think in bringing it back to the field I know the most about which is wildlife filmmaking um, there was recently obviously these big uh, every year they have these big BBC productions uh, mm -hmm. spring watch and winter watch mm -hmm. uh, it is the spring so there's been BBC spring watch and there was not a single female camera camera woman oh, that's camera so operator sad. on that production and uh -huh. I think that that is all too often the case in wildlife filmmaking there's far too few uh, camera operators and and behind the scenes of people um, because of this this culture of this toxic culture and belief that women are weaker mm. and can't do as much in in physical in you know, in the field in field yeah. work um, I think talking about kind of education and spreading 
education and awareness this is a new part of the podcast um, but I'm putting together a list of books that my guests have recommended and I know you had a really interesting answer to this question the first mm-hmm. time we tried to do it so would you do, do you have a favourite book relating to conservation science that you could tell my listeners about uh, my favourite book uh, about science let me see because a lot of it's a hard question yeah there's, like there's a lot out there choosing that book I'm still very passionate about the um, book about the Darwin finches yeah and 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 then shows how like evolutions happen um, in 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 Galapagos with the finches of 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 Darwin uh, I like that book like wait I forgot in 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 English the beak of species something like that um on the on the origin of species but no 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 the origin of species in is the Charles but it's also that's also interesting oh, it's it's about it's his interest? work rather than by yeah, him. yeah 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 oh, okay, yeah 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 I'll take a look at it and I'll, I'll see if I can find out and put it in the description yeah and then because I read like the conservation book that I read uh, is in Indonesia and it's like oh, I need to translate <laughs> so it will, it will take time uh, wait what are the books now when you're asking that I just like completely forgot all of the titles yeah I mean there is so many amazing books out there it's yeah quite, it's quite hard to I think asking someone who reads a book um, or reads like an is an avid reader what their favorite book is is like asking a mother what their favorite child is it's I like, know it's an, it's yeah impossible. yeah yeah it's like yeah. it's like it's like asking mother <laughs> they my the mothers can't choose I I am also reading I, I I'm, I'm reading two books right now but one of them is not related to to the conservation. It's just like time time travel. But the other one is uh, about Jane Goodall and 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 her chimpanzees. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I've never read it, but I know the one you're talking about. I think and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll find the title and again put it in the description. Okay. Um, but I mean, before we before we finish, um, we're gonna do a little quick fire round. Uh, I've never actually done this in person. So, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, try and answer as quickly as possible. Okay, I, I'll I try. Think, I'll try. I think the um, <laughs> sometimes they can be a little bit hard to answer quickly. Yep. So yeah, a little quick fire round, four quick questions. Okay. So first off, what's your favorite animal? Okay, this is hard. <laughs> it's very hard. Oh, uh, right now. My favorite and and all the time is helmeted hornbill. But can I say more than one? Yeah, so you have <laughs> little spider hunter, the bird as well. And now I like the 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 UK's wildlife, the stoat. I I found them. They're so cute. They're so cute and they're so cool. And then um, rhino, of course. They are so. Oh, so strong, powerful, looks so elegant, charismatic, and um, 
I like whales. <laughs> okay, so many. That's that's there's, yeah animals. That's what, there's so it's yeah again another impossible it's, question. It's hard. It? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. No, that's a, a good list though. Where is one place you like to like your favorite place to connect with nature? The place In the you woods. Feel outside. Yeah. That's In the woods. Outside. So sort of between where, the where you feel trees. most at home outside in 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 the like trees around me yeah. just that's immersed in yeah trees. just like immersed like sinking being like a small creature just around the big trees and just cuddle them that's that's how I feel or like near near the streaming river like the rap no yeah. what's the word what's R rushing rushing Maybe. river yeah, when you can hear we you can when you can hear the sounds of of the water yeah. with with like greens and then smell mosses and 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 wet and and forest that's that's how that's when i feel like oh, this yeah. is my home this is where i belong to proper kind of like forest immersion and, and bathing almost it's, yes yeah it's a yes. really nice one uh, do you have a conservation hero? Right now, Greta, because she is so badass. Yeah. I love her. Can I say another one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm very, uh, what is it, amazed with, with, there's a lady, now now she's like 70 or something, 78 or something, if I'm not mistaken. And she worked in Hornbill for like 30, 30 years in Thailand. And her name is Doctor Doctor Pillai. I met her, and I the day I met her, she, it's so inspiring. Like she just like, uh, showing, l like leadership, strong woman, like she she's seventy something, but she still like go out in the forest, like like um, show people how how to do how to make the work done. Like yeah. she's so cool, yeah. I'm yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll definitely have to look into her, some of her work because I love, I love hornbills. Uh, one of my birds that I've wanted to see for a long, long time. Uh huh. Um, oh, and hopefully, amazing. yeah. Hopefully one day I can travel again in the future. One day, hopefully, one hopefully day we can we can leave this island and, yeah, and go back to oh. some nice nice jungle environments yeah. and forest environments yeah. where where we can see them. It's cool. Hope um, you see them. I hope so too. It's yeah, a, yeah, it's a big bucket list oh, item. I'm, see, I'm excited to 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 like see your reactions because <laughs> you can hear the flap when they fly. Yeah, it's like a giant, like in the movie, like yeah, like they're incredible, awesome. So last off, this has been quite a long, quick fire round, but I, I like it because <laughs> okay. you've given really good answers that a lot of people can learn from, which is often the way. I think I should stop calling it a quick fire round because it never really that quick fire. <laughs> um, last off, how do you take your coffee? Black, just black coffee, hot water, does it? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a good, I think a lot of... Um, Pretty much anyone who I've spoken to on the podcast who does regular expeditions or field work uh -huh. says black coffee. Yeah, because it's just like a, it's a staple. Easy you, peasy. You, you don't really have to. You don't have space to carry like milk. No, or no. And also milk. Instant coffee. Yeah, milk you know, is not gonna stay like fresh, longer yeah. fresh in in the field. Exactly. So it's just like coffee powder. Yeah. In the field. Yeah. It's try to grind it, but like. In the field, we have to like 
quick and fast. We have to get up at like three, half past three in the morning. So yeah. it's like quick coffee. That's yeah. it. Well, I can see now why you are able to conduct amazing interviews on just a few hours of sleep. <laughs> you're used to it in the field work. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. You're very um, welcome. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of your work in cool. the future. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Inda for taking the time to speak to me. All the links to her social media will be in the episode description. So I said that today we'd be featuring Olfactory Coffee. This is a brilliant local company that I discovered through a local cafe in Falmouth, and they actually roast their coffee just around the corner from where I'm currently living in Cornwall. Olfactory have cultivated sustainable relationships with farmers and highly trusted green bean brokers, and they make sure that every single green bean that arrives at the roastery carries a contribution towards a better future for speciality coffee. They also have widely recyclable packaging, and in general their coffee is just great for both people and planet. You can find out more about the details of this particular coffee, which is an espresso blend that came from Mexican and Brazilian farms, through the link in the episode description. If you feel like you've learned anything of value from the podcast, please consider supporting me through a one-off donation on Ko-fi. This means I can support ethical and sustainable coffee companies, expand my storytelling toolkit, and support local and indigenous coffee communities and any contributors to the podcast. Coffee with Conservationists is now available on Spotify, Anchor, Google and Apple Podcasts and a few more places. As ever, thank you all so much for listening. I've been your host, George Steedman jones and this is the Coffee with Conservationists podcast. <laughs>